This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 823, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are still being cautious, easing back in, but also being safe. Who aren't slapping anyone. What doesn't kill you makes you Welcome to my fanboy pick of the week, episode 823. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. That would be me. That's and correct. And that's it. No one else this week. It's just us. Contain your excitement and or disappointment. <laughs> one, one way or the other. Choose your emotion and go with it based on that objective information. <laughs> we are a fanboy. Every week we read some comics. And the thing is, we have to pick a best one. That's how the show works. No matter what the week Ooh. brings us, there's got to be a best. We call it the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other books from the week, the patron pick, listener mail, all the while the world continues to burn. And so for one hour a week, Josh and I get to, to forget about all that and talk about comics, and hopefully you do as well. But that's how this works. Here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. There'll be some spoilers. This week, Josh, you had the pick. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to do this. I do. And I think that it is notable that the last couple few weeks, I think we were like, these are great comics, and it was super fun. Yeah. And this week, and again, I'll say, not bad books. Just like, I'm going to struggle to say anything about all of these. And I, and I, I wrote to you at one point, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what the pick is. And you were like, yeah, I hear you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I didn't have like a bad week. It was just like, everything was fine. You know, there's a lot of the books that we read and we've talked about, and so we have to think about it in terms of we don't just come here and say, oh, this was good. You know, there has to be something to think about. It. And all the books we've read before were either fine or actually some were actually a little disappointing. And and I, I mm-hmm. hate that we have to lead with that, but I, I got to say I had a hard time finding anything that really stood out. So that said, <laughs> apologies to Jim Rugg. Um, <laughs> in a way, the pick of the week is uh, Hulk Grand Design Monster Number 1. Yeah. This is in the pattern of the X-Men and I think Fantastic Four grand design Correct. by uh, yes. Ed Piscor. Well, Ed Piscor did one and then and then she only did the other one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Jim Rugg and Ed Piscor do a podcast together, mm-hmm. I think, which I, I cannot remember the name of right now. I'm aware of it, but I, I'm bad with remembering details of things, so there we are. Basically, what we're doing here is we're getting a fast-paced comic book retelling of the Hulk from his first appearance to, I think it went to 84, if I, I read the notes correctly. And 
there's two things. I mean, you can't really judge this on the same merits as other comics where you're like, this was a great story because it isn't that. It's a retrospective. It's a montage. It's an overview. And so, you know, the skill in it, the enjoyment in it comes from the construction, the craft of like, how did you do all this? How did you synthesize all this? We saw Mark Wade do this with the history of the Marvel Universe with, um, who's the artist? Javier Rodriguez. Yes. You know, and that was really impressive and, and huge. And, and I think the same thing with, you know, the Piscor one is that, especially with the X-Men, that's my worst one. Actually, I think they chose the three best ones to sort of go with the overall history, which is X-Men, which I find entirely confusing and convoluted. And then Fantastic Four, which is just so epic and huge. And then Hulk, which is lesser to me. I don't know it as well. But this was kind of a fun overview of everything that's happened to the Hulk from the beginning. And it's really cool to step back and take this sort of like satellite view of everything that, you know, the the golden age of Marvel did. Yeah. I don't know. It's not the right term in terms of, you know, the age. But the Lee and Kirby, the heyday of like, we're creating these worlds from whole cloth. And this is a really good vehicle to get an understanding and just like, shore up your you know expertise and be able to connect the dots on the things that happen today where you know like i don't know the story of the leader i kind of am vaguely aware of how doc samson worked and how abomination these are just characters i know who exist and then also how they used to handle the different hulks because the hulk is always sort of malleable sometimes he's the raging toddler Sometimes he's super intelligent. And I actually had no idea about this Jarella character who was his blonde-haired Hulk love. That's the thing. I, I, I do want to preface by saying I really love this issue. We talked about you know just a minute ago how it was a weird week. The problem is it's, it's the same love that I've had for all these Grand Design yes. books. So yeah. it's not new love. But I had a blast reading this because yeah. these books do a terrific job of laying out how bonkers comics are. And when you mm-hmm. you lay out a single character's story page-to-page, panel-to-panel like this, it's just like, Hulk dies, Hulk's resurrected, Hulk loses his power, he gets gamma rayed again. Like, it's every five minutes, something crazy is happening, and the pacing of it, it was very funny. And also, like you said, you learn a lot. Like, I I didn't know about her either, but his great Hulk love, who was also some sort of Hulk, and I felt bad when she died. It's crazy that this character hasn't been resurrected in recent times. Like, that's crazy. I think that's going to happen soon. That's my guess reading this. I think what's really fun about this is that it leans into what is great about comics in the Morrisonian sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at that. Mm. Put, write that down. Write, th- <laughs> write that down. You know, in that it finds strength in the fact that like Jarella and Hulk were both killed and resurrected and the leader at one point the leader comes back and then it even they were like he died then he came back. Like, it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter how. Yeah. The leader came back because they needed the leader in this story. And it's fun, but also it does create like this through line because someone somewhere was trying to make sense of this, you know? And this just lays it out all there. And you can kind of just get this really interesting condensed outline of sort of comic book creation through eras. I mean, if you're talking about, what was Hulk 1? 63? 64? You know, through, this is 84, you know, incredible. 20 years, yeah change that 20 years though spanned a lot of space i think that 20 years spanned more space than the 20 years after it hulk was 62 so just like right. just over 20 years right just like seeing like how society changes come into it 
how the art changes. One of the best things that Jim Rugg does in here is that he's amazing at changing up the style, or at least evoking a different style. And so you have a bit where there's a fabulous Freak Brothers, mm-hmm. you know, like underground comics with an X, yeah. you know, hippie thing in there from that time. And those, there's covers that have been recreated just straight up recreated from that time period, which gives you context and place you in a place. There's another bit where you turn the page and you see the 70s animated Hulk, you know, or is it 70s or 80s? I think it's 70s, you know, and just these different versions and and it moves along as you're going. And I really liked, there's a bit in the story, it is a story, there's a bit in the story where the Hulk is outlawed because he's destroyed places and the government wants to hunt him down and then he does something good. So basically at one point, like Jimmy Carter, President <laughs> Jimmy Carter, you know, goes on as like, we can promise this will never happen again, this kind of destruction. And then later he gets pardoned because he does a service. And I, I just think that's fun in that, that context of everything. Yeah, it's a real fast-paced way of telling this character's history that is incredibly... F- I just love the panel to panel transitions where it's like Hulk battled Daredevil. The next panel is Doctor's Hopeful for DD. He's in the hospital. You know, it's like there's a lot of comic transitions from panel mm-hmm. to panel. I, I didn't know how often the Hulk had been cured. Yeah. It was probably like 20 times. <laughs> so, like, the Hulk, as we know it, is no longer the Hulk of the original Gamma explosion. He's been no. degammatized and regammatized so many different That's ways. That's a good point. I found that really interesting. Cause I, you know, I loved the Hulk as a kid, but I didn't start reading him until, you know, when this book ends in 84, we're only like seven years old and that's probably around when i was reading more comics so i didn't really read these old cult comics yeah i didn't know doc samson's origin (laughs) (laughs) there's just a lot of things i didn't know that was fun to read i think this is great i do think this is a brilliant idea whoever came up with these grand design comics it's very related to piscor's history of hip-hop books i feel like that's got to be the genesis of this because it's sort of that I mean, I think one of the great things is at the end, you have this bibliography, sort of, and mm-hmm. it tells you what everything is and where it comes from. But it's actually done in such a way that it is not tedious to read through. And I know that mm-hmm. that doesn't seem like a thing, but you don't necessarily want to read a, what is it, how many pages? 45-page comic, 43, you know, and then afterwards have a bunch of text edits to go to. But it's a really good reference to say, oh, well, was, this part was kind of crazy. When was this? Right. And it, it's just done well. Yeah. If you want to read it, you, now you can. Yeah. And it just, it's got, it's a good reference. It's only two pages. It's not like, it's not, it's not like the From Hell uh, appendix, which is legendary. I love that appendix. I know you do, but it's still, it's daunting. It's like, oh, I finished the book. Oh no, it's a, there's another book here. <laughs> I read it concurrently. That's how I did it. But there's also just terrific single page issues. Single page, single, yes. single page issue. No, single, Stories. wow. Single page images of Hulk. You know, there's like the one where all of Hulk's enemies, and it's done like sticker style, where the, the enemies are all mm-hmm. stickers over an image of Hulk. And you, the one you mentioned before of the animated TV version, and then there's another one later on I'm looking at, I just skipped past it, where it's like Hulk fighting all these different people. There's just some terrific art in this, where he changes how and it's colored. And that's Jim Rugg's real strength, I think, yeah. is that he can play around with the genres, and it's not impression he's not like recreating things he can do that that marvel's tv sensation you know hulk page literally looks like it could be right out of that era the first time we were really into him was he did the aphrodisiac book which is our yep. book of the year in yes. 2010 it was the year my son was born i remember that because i read that around the time he was born he can evoke a different time and place through his comic book art mm-hmm. apparently fairly effortlessly there's a place in here where it's the comic strip and it literally looks like it's been cut out of the paper he does the thing where 
the pages are all appropriately aged. Yes. Given the time period of where it is. So the animated stuff is all bright and green. And then as you get back, there's comic book ad kind of things in there. And it all changes around. It is a tour de force in terms of the skills and mechanics of comic book art and, and design. It's grand design. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think these are fun. Yeah. And, and in a way also that it evokes the artist. The artist isn't buried in there. The artist isn't doing an Ed Piscor. The artist is doing Jim Rugg doing these other people you know what i mean yep. he's which now i feel shitty that i didn't read the tom shioli one because uh, i bet that that's freaking amazing now that yeah, I'm, it was great. I'm enjoying this yeah it's just it's a, it, there's a lot going on and the more you look through it the more there is to appreciate however i really think that this is a comic nerd historian kind of thing i sure. I, I don't know but i feel like if you handed this to somebody who never had comics that you there's just too much there's too much to get there's i don't know that's true know. actually I, I know that my wife put the x-men one in her classroom Mm-hmm. And that kids enjoyed that learning about the characters. Yeah, it's a manic history, and I think sure. if you're into the characters, it's fun to learn about them. Let me put it this way: I think that Piscor obviously had done those hip hop books, five of them, I think, and like those are completely accessible to everybody. I have to look at the books again, but I do know that in here are a lot of Easter eggs. Isn't the word, but nods, subtle nods to very specific things that comic books did during those times. So I don't think it would throw anybody off, but I think if you sort of know your history and you are interested in, you know, the forms of comic books, there's a lot extra in here. The more you, you know, you go through it, you know, if you're a student of the history of the books, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting though, who they've done this with. I mean, the X-Men was an obvious choice because of the insane soap opera nature of that book. Fantastic Four, Shioli is a, I don't want to say he's I a Kirby guy. I think he's on guy, that show quite often, too. He's a student of Kirby, and it's such a foundational book for Marvel. I think Hulk is a fascinating third choice. You know, it's, it's like you would assume they do like Spider-Man, but it's interesting. And I think it's been great because it's not the obvious one. Yeah. I also I like think it. that he's a little more shrouded in mystery. Hulk is a little bit Wonder Woman of the Marvel Universe to a certain extent. I think people have had a really hard time. We're going to talk about this later in the show. It's like yeah, Hulk was sort of... I don't want to say done and finished by Peter David, but he did such a long run that encompassed so much about the character that it's almost impossible to do anything with him since. And that was a long time ago. But I really think, like, there hasn't been much of a mark made on him. Red Hulk and World War Hulk are probably the two. Yeah. But even those... Yeah. Every time somebody comes along with a new Hulk thing, it's like a completely... It's not a continuation of the story. It's a completely different Hulk. That whole immortal Hulk thing was... A whole different take on it. What's happening in the series now, and we'll mention this later, you know, is a whole different take on it. Yeah. They all exist independent of each other. And I think you're right. <laughs> it might be that Peter David finished the Hulk. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's talk about Dark Ages, number six, the final issue of the Tom Taylor, Ebon Coelho, Brian Reber, and Josephino Elseworlds miniseries about a future in the Marvel Universe in which an EMP blast from a creature has darkened the world and everyone's trying to survive. I really enjoyed this but i still couldn't shake the idea that i was sort of reading an outline you said that i think last time you were like well yeah. this is only six and i was like oh no and this issue for me that really came true because this was it felt like the movie ended and now we're watching somebody tell us the recap part at the end instead of the last action-packed issue and i, I thought wow we really got short-changed of issues here and i don't necessarily blame the creative team they probably had but this seems to only happen when you get cut short of issues more than you meant to. 
You know what I'm yeah, saying? I don't know. I mean, six makes sense for like you know a plan, but it just, this feels like if you're gonna do this sort of deep dive with all of these characters, you need like a twelve. Do you remember how sort of slow rolling out the first couple of issues were? Yes. Like we had to take a while to get our feet. So that makes me think that they got they got the rug pulled out from under them at some point. I don't know, but if they knew they had six and planned it this way, then that is an error. Right. It, what you lo- lose here is the connective tissue and the details that make the story great. In the moment, There's great scenes in here. And I like the idea yes. of Miles Morales was Venom for a while. That's an interesting way to take his character. But we only see that, a glimpse of that. You know, There's not enough time to spend with anyone, really, because we only have six issues to introduce this world, the problem, the villain, the twist. Now there's a time jump. We're in the future. Some people are in Europe, some are in America. There's a new society. Like There's a lot of things to explain. And when Tom Taylor did that with Deceased, he had several eight-issue miniseries in which to, to flesh out the world. Here, it's, it's crammed into six issues, and it feels like it's really rushed. And the digital extras, like there was... I mean, this is one of those things where I don't know if this is a good example of Marvel versus DC and how they approach things. You know, because Marvel's like, bam, bam, bam. You know, and then DC's like, well, let's put some things around this and let this other thing breathe. And I think, for whatever reason, it felt hamstrung by the format. Not enough mm-hmm. issues. Like, the things didn't get to pay off in a character yeah. sense, which were the bread and butter of Deceased and yes. of Injustice. Yep. The character moments, you know, when, like, you spend a lot of time with Green Arrow and uh, Mockingbird. No, every time. Green Arrow and Black Canary. And the birds, they look exactly the like same. The, it's the same thing. The same two characters. They're two archers. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's the same. When you really look into it, they're identical. This isn't my fault. Anyway, you know, you spent a lot of time with them. I remember they were, they were camping with Green Lantern at one mm-hmm. point. And so when he turns, is it him? Yeah. When Green Arrow turns, it is deadly. And then you have time yeah. to live with them with that. Yeah. Look at the best things that Tom Taylor has done, and it's long form. It's not six issues. It's like telling Pink Floyd to do a pop song. It ain't right. This was a good story. It's just I felt like this was an outline of a good story. Like things happened right. here that were really fun. And I laughed a couple of times. I thought the sequence where Deadpool kills Kilgrave was funny. Yes, it was. That wasn't the plan. I was driving the bus. No one told me the plan was funny. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, so we didn't get much time with any of these people. And right. again, in DC's, like the side thing, you know, we got to spend a lot of time with John Constantine. And there was that bit about them all being in the school with the kids and, yeah. you know, we get to be in this world. This is a rad world. They arrive in London, and they have the Devil Dinosaur strapped to the top of a bus that has been fitted with a steam engine on the back. I'm sorry, right. Paris. Yeah. They must have driven it from London, and he has a Deadpool thing. Like, there's so many cool things here, and we don't... We're not in... We're in Paris for eight pages. This feels like it's Dark Ages, the treatment. Like, this is the treatment you hand in before they greenlight the script. You know what this is? This is the movie, which doesn't have time to live in these very... Like, they keep moving all the time. Whereas, you know, the TV series would be... If that's the case, then if you only have six issues and this is it, then you, I think you needed to cut down how many characters there were. Yep. Yeah. But I get it. He's a DC guy. He's playing in the Marvel Universe, and he is going to write everybody. I get it. The Kilgrave thing, that page, that's a great page turn, by the way, because yeah. everything, the Sturm and Drang is all kicking up and, and everything's, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, it's over. All the air is let out of the scene. Not in a bad way, in a good way. But that page, what I thought was... Oh, wow. Ryan Otley is an influential artist. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
because me, I, and this is terrible, I know, is that like to Ryan, I was like, oh, he's one of those new guys. He's <laughs> not, though. Like, he's been around long enough that he's influencing people that come after him because right. that's a Ryan Otley panel. 100%. Yeah. Yep. It's cool. I just, I just love that. Like, he's, he's kind of a statesman at this point. And I, I just don't picture it that way. So, yeah, I think, I mean, look, it's a fun little Elseworlds story set in the Marvel Universe. It just felt like it was a treatment level version yeah. of it. I, I just level. felt like it shortchanged. I, got, yeah. I felt like they left a lot on the floor and the pacing changed on me. So I wanted to really live in this finale and I felt like, wait, where's the finale? Oh, it's over. I understand, you know, it's not Marvel's bread and butter to do alternate versions of their characters. You know, they don't mm-hmm. usually do that. So maybe they weren't sure what, what would happen. I only gave them six. But yeah, fair enough. It was tough. So Astro City returned this week with Astro City. That was then. So what happened was we had a bunch of Astro City books sometime in the past. That's not my go-to. I don't know. Sometime in the past, there was the last volume of Astro City. It was at Vertigo, and it was there a long time. And then it ended, and Busick and, and Anderson and Ross said, we're going to do these as graphic novels going forward, OGNs. Then many years passed. And now we're back with comics again out of Image where Astro City originated all 30 years ago or however many years ago it was. In the essay at the back, he was like, yeah, the graph and thing didn't work out. So now we're back to issues. Kurt Busiek, by the way, is the... Snake bit. He's not the inventor. <laughs> yes, he's that too. But he's the like he has long time been about the expository essay in the back about how things yeah. are coming, and I am annoyed by it with everybody else. But with him, it is a feature. It is a, is part of it, and he's you know because he's always like, yeah, I lost a finger. Uh, everyone <laughs> in the family died. They burned down the Midwest. Like it's right. <laughs> he really yeah. is a cursed person. What's interesting too is that throughout the Vertigo days, and there was a lot of issues, and they came out very yeah. regularly, which is unusual for. But Jesus Marino drew most of it. Brent Anderson didn't do most of it. And this was Brent Anderson back doing, I thought, great work. Yeah, He's getting on, I understand. And it was a challenge for him. But I thought that his work was pretty strong here. All that said, I did not think this was a great Astro City story. I mean, I like the idea of it. It's sort of the teen titans of the Astro City world going on a cross-country road trip because a bunch of the other members got killed. And And they're all at a transition point in their lives where they're not really kids anymore they're you know they're like 18 and they're going to be becoming adults and what does that mean so i like the idea of it you know it's tough because these are these are not characters we've seen before at least i don't remember seeing them before maybe in the background maybe here that's and there, not but, unusual that's yeah. that's that's what they do all the time but for some reason like this one didn't grab me there's a bit where they're going back and forth and i, and I thought wait are these the same characters they're talking about but they've adopted new and i just wasn't sure because it throws you in there's not a lot of setup i guess and there's ghosts of the ones who died, and they're still around at the end watching Samaritan. It's, he says, you know, this is kicking off his next volume of this, so they're going to be, I guess, important characters for that. But I liked reading it. I didn't love the issue. That Vertigo Runner was extremely strong, and I think that yes. we were really high on it at the time. And I, I just thought, you know, it's important to talk about there was there's downtimes in this. You know, The Dark Ages wasn't great. Yeah, That was a series they did at some point. It was either Wildstorm or Image or whatever, you know, and it can come and go, but it's it's so massive and sprawling. Released at the same time this week was a 500-page compendium of whatever the first 500 pages of it were. Right. You know, and in there are a lot of really great stories. There's probably some that aren't wonderful because it's so wide-ranging. But the fact is this has been going on for nearly 30 years, and it kind of looks the same. 1995. 
Yeah. So was 27 years. Yeah. And it still feels new to me, you know. But, uh, you know, it's okay. Like, this is, okay, this, this album wasn't great. This next one will be good. Mm-hmm. You know, not mad at it, but I was a little like, eh. I, w- I wish I could have been like, oh, this was pick of the week. It was awesome to see them come back, you know, roaring, you know. But it was a very low-key story, too. I'm just laughing at in the essay where he's talking about what happened in the graphic novels, and he says basically, in no particular order, our editor left DC, the Vertigo imprint shut down, DC's parent company merged with AT&T, there were multiple reorganizations, Mark Doyle departed, <laughs> like it's just, it's just, oh, it's just a miracle this book ever comes out, and I'm just, ha- I'm happy it does. Even if I didn't love the issue, I'm just happy it's yes. here. Yes, hundred percent. And and what's interesting, like. It's got to be harder for them to do this now. I mean, when they were working for Vertigo, they were getting paid for the first time ever, you know, regularly. Right. They're still doing it. Right. They must love this. That's what makes it great. Like, they just love doing it. Mm-hmm. There's no other reason to do it. There's no way right. no, sales aren't going up, you know. Right. You just They're compelled to keep doing these things. And also, this is all the original team. Right. If these people were 30 when this started, they're in their <laughs> 60s now. The only difference, it's like, it's a different comic craft letterer than they normally got. <laughs> because they don't usually use the actual names. They just say comic craft lettered it, but that would be Starkings, and Starkings has got to be 70 by now. You know, but Brent Anderson, who's added Eric to his name, was like, it's too late for you to change your, <laughs> yeah, your so, pen name. No, no, don't do that. And then Alex Sinclair on colors, like, it's just, you know, steady as the rain. Yeah. And even if it wasn't a great issue, I, I didn't hate, dislike it. I was like, okay, that was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, but it wasn't like I kind of was like maybe this could be a pick of the week one. I was excited that I was gonna like get a great thing, and it was it was fine. It wasn't you know, and and compared to their highest highs, you know that's not good. The Amazing Spider-Man eight hundred and ninety four is the final issue of the Beyond story, and as it turns hey. out, this Beyond story has been Ben Riley's supervillain origin. That's what this whole thing has been, and I liked it. I did like it. My misgivings were heavy in the beginning because i don't like ben riley i think it's a mistake to constantly go back to the storyline that almost destroyed spider-man but they found a thing to do with them and they said it again at the essay in the back that you know you had peter parker and you had miles morales and those characters weren't going anywhere so what do you do with ben riley he can't be a third spider-man there can't be three spider-men so they decided to make him a villain called chasm and uh it makes sense as a a supervillain origin it does now that you see it all together so, why not? Yeah, I can't say it made me terribly interested in one. It absolutely makes sense on paper. Like, well, that's a great idea. Turn this guy into a supervillain. Dumb name. Just, <laughs> I was iffy on the entire thing. You know, mm-hmm. I'd enjoy moments of it. I, I read the whole thing. That's got to say something. I wouldn't jump off. But right now, like, I was looking at the script, and I went, I have no idea what happened in this issue. Like, I, I, I kind of blocked it out. I looked through it, and I remembered, you know. So basically, you know, that we started the story off where Peter was hurt, and so Ben took over as Spider-Man, but he was backed by this Beyond Corporation. They gave him money, and they gave him a high-tech suit and all kinds of crazy stuff. And as we, the issue went along, this was a long story. This went, this went on for a long time. You know, the layers were peeled back of this corporation, and they turned out, you know, they were, they were of course, evil. And a few issues ago... In order to protect themselves, they went into Ben Riley's head and removed a bunch of his memories. So he has like all these giant blocks in his memories. Chasms. Chasms. They basically told him the only way to get those back is you got to go into Peter Parker's brain because Ben Riley's a clone of Peter Parker because they're Peter's memories too. And Peter's like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. You're not going to take my memories. I'm saying this very quickly. It's happening over a couple of issues, but that's the impetus. For the fact that he's going insane because he's missing memories, Peter won't give up his memories to to help him. And so now that is his... Is a supervillain origin story, as they, as the kids I say. I feel like I missed it. But what's the deal with the costume and the squirchy mask? 
You mean when you see his faces that are missing? Yeah, I get that, but like, where's the costume come from? Is that it? it, it he puts it over his head and it squishes and. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Okay. I don't know where the suit came from. Because usually they'll set up, you know, sort of where the thing came from, and this feels like it's from out of. I, I can't remember a green and purple. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Hey, you know what he is? It's better than Carnage. I'm sure it's something from Beyond. I may have missed right. where the suit came from, but they had their big door, the big thing that they keep everything in. Yeah. Probably some of their technology. Anyway, I thought, you know, fine. It was fine. I liked, I mean, I, I had fun reading this whole thing through, and it, it featured great creative teams, terrific Arthur Adams covers for the entire run. So Ben Riley's a bad guy now. There's no more three Spider-Mans. There's only two Spider-Mans. I don't know what I expect from Spider-Man. I know that I tend to like it when things start. And like, I, you know, the Nick Spencer stuff, the beginning of it was great. And then it got into all that. I can't remember the villain now. All that's, you know, by the end, I was completely like it, off of it. Like, I, I just, I was, I'm not enjoying Everyone this. agrees that run went off the rails. Yeah, but the basics of it, like, we're all leading to a place that wasn't super interesting with the guy who was convincing everybody to revolt and take over, and I don't know, it didn't work. I don't remember any of that stuff. Was it Sin Eater? Sin Eater. There you yeah, go. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Now so I remember it. Yeah, it was fine. The centipede Harry Osborne guy. Right. Oh, right, right, right. That was bad. Now we're on another volume starting next, whenever, next month with Seb Wells, who is a longtime Spider-Man writer, terrific Spider-Man yeah. writer. True. And, uh... We'll see how it goes. I just Hope remember Springs the last Eternal. time I really loved it was Joe Kelly, you know, just sort of doing fun, that great Rhino issue, and, mm-hmm. and maybe huge arcs aren't the way to go. I wanted to catch up on Usagi Yojimbo. I hadn't talked about it in a while, and if you had been listening to me talk about it before, you know, it's been one of my favorite series. It's just one of those, like, great little things that happens in comics every couple of weeks, because I think there's two of them going on, and... This miniseries, they've stopped doing them in like a long single series, and now they're all sort of little... Um, Minis. Miniseries. So this one's Lone Goat and Kid. And I've actually lost track of... Because there's new ones coming out, and there's classic ones being recolored. Right. And I kind of lose track of which one's which. You can kind of tell by the art. And this one, like there's a... <laughs> Whatever I try to talk about, it's all kind of the same story over and over again. He's wandering around. There's some ruffians. Some weird shit goes down. It did seem to be, like, it used to be a lot more supernatural. And there were more animals. Like, now there are animals, but it doesn't really matter what they are. But back then, the animals, like, there's bat ninjas in this. Like, mm-hmm. they're ninjas, but they're bats, so they fly around. Because it's like, why are these ninjas flying? You know, and then there's, like, the, the big bad guy is a snake. And he's, right. you know, he's, he's dressed like the Cobra Kai outfit, but he has no arms. Which is great because he has his, his outfit clearly has shoulder pads, but he has no arms. It doesn't make any sense. Right. It is the silliest, most fun thing. I love the little crew of people that he always ends up with. There's always somebody to react to, and, and Usagi used to be cool against it. I did sort of notice, like, I was like, this art's a little rougher than it is now. Like, he got a lot better. Mm. It's still enjoyable. But I kind of wish, like, there was annotations a little more, like, when did this come out? I don't even know how long it's been. Was it the early 80s? Was it the late? I don't know when it was. But it doesn't say it. If you look in the Indicia, which is mm-hmm. you know, the people who people who've been reading comics forever used to always have to look in the Indicia. I don't, I don't do it anymore, but it would tell you like first printing when it was the volume. So this is not a new story? It isn't, but it took me a while to figure that out. Featuring classic Usagi Ojimbo stories with brand new color. I see. But so it isn't is, like it's a little, that's a little tiny thing. I had to look for it. I was like, is this the new one or the old one? Whatever. Someone's printing them. I don't know. I don't know how IDW works that out, but I'm glad they do. They tricked you into thinking it's a new story. It doesn't bother. Gotcha. It's new to me. So sure. it's, it's not like, 
It's fine. We also had the final issue of Spider-Woman, issue 116, which marks the end of this sort of long Carla Pacheco Perez story. I think the, the last issue was Pick of the Week. And this the sort of suffered the same thing as Dark Ages. It re- a ton of stuff happened, and then it was over sort of really quick. That feels like you're canceling the book, so you better wrap up yes. your story. But, you know, in this day and age, 21 issues, that's, that's pretty damn good. And also, I just, like, from an art and wacky action standpoint, like, every page is full on. You know, they really mm-hmm. went for tons of characters, tons of action. You know, Jessica is really, really consistent. She's got a whole new, you know, from, from the end of Dennis Hopeless's stuff, she's the whole new cast of characters around her. They got rid of Roger. You know, now it's like a, there's her niece and Carol, and it's all very family-oriented. Her brother is evil, and it really is qu- quite a work, you know, the whole thing. But, you know, if you, if you were to open this issue and just sort of flip through the pages – Every one of them is some big, crazy, wacky, funny stuff. And, and like, mm-hmm. you can tell they didn't give a shit about what anybody thought at this point. And I mean that in a good way. But, like, there's bits where the asterisks down here where, like, the character will make a joke. And then the editor's note is, what the heck does this mean? And then the, the writer is justifying the joke in the thing. It's very postmodern in that way. Mm-hmm. But in a very sort of loose, fun way. <laughs> They're just right. like, Whatever. Clearly no one's reading this anymore. Let's have the most fun we can with it. And it's really hard not to respect that. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, great series. I'm sad to see them go. I could have I could have read another 30 issues of this easily. I took a flyer on Immortal X-Men number one from Kieran Gillen, Lucas Wernick, David Curiel, Clayton Cowles. And I wasn't going to at first only because I sort of fallen off most of the X-Men books. And I love Kieran, but sometimes I can find his stories hard to follow. But I figured, you know what? If he has too many characters, you're in trouble. Yeah, I thought, you know what, I I said recently either on this show or the Hangout somewhere where I talk about comic books, that with X-Men, I'm only really interested in the life on Krakoa, Sex Island, and the political machinations. And this book seems to be all about the political machinations. So I took a flyer on it, and I really enjoyed it. It's all about the Quiet Council, which is the ruling group of the X-Men. The Illuminati. Yeah, and here Magneto quits, so they have to figure out who's going to take his place, and... You know, so it's all a bunch of, you know, political wrangling. But it's most notable for the fact that it is revealed here that Jesus Christ was a mutant. So I don't know if that... That sounds like Kieran Gillen. Changes your interpretation of the Bible. Or I don't know if the church has commented yet or what, but... Tell you, kind of tracks. <laughs> so Does he was resurrected. Sense. He performed Shows miracles. Up fuck island. Yeah. Wine for everyone. Anyway, this was fun. I didn't love it, but it was fun. Batman Beyond, the White Knight book one. This is Sean Murphy's latest. He's created this whole universe, this Elseworlds universe, this alternate take on Batman. Yeah, that, true. This is like his fourth miniseries. He's actually back to drawing this one. So he's, he wrote and drew this issue. The last mini was drawn by one. Mateo Scalera. Wow. All of these minis have been beautiful. Hmm. It seemed like this whole thing came out of like you know, Batman with muscle cars. And then he just sort of grew into this whole interesting alternate take on Batman. And this one, as perhaps evidenced by the title, is time jumps into the future, and now we add Batman Beyond into the mix with Terry McGinnis, who shows up and steals the futuristic bat suit that people know from the cartoons, and I never watched it, so I don't know much about it. But he's not being run by old Bruce Wayne as he was in the cartoons. He's being run by somebody else. But the uh, difference here, the big difference is, A, Jason Todd was the first Robin, as revealed in this issue. Mm-hmm. He was the first Robin who Bruce Wayne screwed up and then figured out how to do it better with Dick Grayson. So that was a big twist. And then Bruce may have had a kid with Harley Quinn. There's just this really interesting take on Batman that's been beautifully drawn and apparently really popular from what I've been told at DC. So that's why there's been like four miniseries. Yeah. 
I think it's a lot of fun. It's interesting. I dropped off at some point just because yeah. I wasn't. But it's interesting that a lot of these Elseworlds stories are constantly trying to draw parallels. So you have this other thing. Oh, this is a completely different setup. And then they draw parallels so that it makes it kind of the same thing as what's right. going on in the other books. And it sounds like with this, his deal is to be like, none of those stories matter. We're going to take bits of them, but we can put them in any order we want. And that must keep it relatively exciting. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it's not unfamiliar, you know, but it's also mm-hmm. different. It really did seem like in the beginning it was like an excuse for Sean Murphy to draw like all the Batmobiles doing cool car shit. And he draws really yeah. great cars because there was a whole like GCPD task force that was created with all the Batmobiles. So like it was a bunch of, you know, muscle cars running run around Gotham City and that just seemed to be the excuse for that. But out of that basic idea came this whole world that he's created with Batman, Joker, Harley Quinn being sort of at the center of it. It's been interesting, and I was excited to see a new issue of it, and I was excited to see Sean Murphy withdrawing it. And, you know, even though I don't know much about Batman Beyond, I'm, I'm looking forward to this take. Can I ask you this? Yep. The other one that came out this week, because now if, if you did covers for Batman, you get a whole series from now on, is a jock mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And I downloaded the issue, and then I realized I hadn't read the first one, and I mm-hmm. kind of thought, I, I kind of don't care. Like, I would look at it, but, like, are you mm-hmm. reading that one, too? I did is read that one, good? yeah. Well, the problem with that one is they come out every three months. Oh, okay. So yes, that's why I didn't read it because it came out during like the Christmas break or thanks one of one of the weeks yeah, I wasn't there. It was during I just break. sat there for a long time. Yeah. Batman One Dark Knight is the book, and I was so lost reading this issue only because okay. again, I was like, wait, what happened three months ago? A lot in the world. <laughs> yeah, just do an OGN with Chuck. People will buy it. I'll buy it. Do an OGN. <laughs> I get the economics of comics. They want to lost lead the collection, but still like. I had no idea what was happening because three months yeah. ago might have been a different world for all I know. And then the next issue comes out in yeah. June. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But also just at the same time, there's so many alternate Batmans happening at any given point. And they all oh, kind of I, there was another one. A while. Like, there was One there Dark was like, Knight, White yeah. Knight. There's the, there's the Chip Zdarsky one. There's the Tom Taylor. Like it's all, there's so many. And there was another one too that I, that I was reading. I don't remember who was doing it, but there was like four or five yeah. at the same time. Yeah, and I get it. Minutes. He's the bread and butter, but... This one is like a, the Warriors plus like those stories where the cops got to get the witness across town, but everyone's trying to kill the witness kind of story. Mm-hmm. That's basically the story That's of that one. Is. Batman's got to get this guy across town. And an EMP has gone off and Gotham is dark. So it's one dark night. I see. Batman's tech doesn't work. He's got to like run this guy across town while everyone's trying to kill him. I went and I back and I looked at it and I was like, wait, how do they spell night? Because that was going to tell me more about the story. And I was like, oh, it's a K. But what you just said sounded like it should have been with an N. Yeah. But what do we know? So I'm really curious because I don't think we've talked much about this We this haven't. Book. We talked about it in the beginning when it first launched. But this is a Hulk show, so why not? Hulk 772. Donnie Cates and Ryan Otley with Cliff Rathburn and Frank Martin on colors and the Indomitable. And uh, we're going to be saying Corey Pettit's name for another 30 years if we keep doing this. I've had a hard time with this series. I think it looks awesome and it is super energetic and moving, but I, I, I don't really understand it and I kind of don't care. It should be a slam dunk. When they announced should be a Donnie Cates and Ryan Otley, I was like, oh shit, that's going to be awesome. And yep. I don't know what the fuck is going on with this book. Well, I also think that it is unfortunate that this is coming out at the same time as the Maestro books because yeah. that is a straightforward story that I'm following and loving. Yeah. And so then I come over to this one and you're right, it should be a complete... And it, it, it looks amazing. I love Donna Cates, but I'm reading this book for the art right now because uh-huh. the story of 
the Hulk as a spaceship with Bruce Banner in his head piloting it. And there's another Hulk who's raging inside of him. He's the engine room. And now there's alternate dimension Hulks and alternate dimension Thunderbolt it's Rosses and alternate dimension Betty Rosses. And I read this issue and I finished it and I was like, I don't know what happened. There's a, no. there's a lot. And I don't follow it. I don't even yet. understand from time, like the physics of how big everything is right. confuse me. Like it's like, it, remi- it reminds me of the Transformers cartoon. Like mm-hmm. you had to just accept that the size of these things doesn't matter. It's going to change constantly, and I feel like that's what's happening here. Yeah, I can't. I was I was about to try to summarize what it, but I can't. I can't do it. And so from right. moment to moment, I'm kind of confused. Like I can tell when they're in the cockpit with Banner, and then there's the Hulk with the head visor thing, and he's a rocket. But yeah, it's a, it's the Hulk with the head visor. I think is the. Like, I don't know, which one's the real Hulk? I guess it's the one at the head visor, but I don't know. Yeah, it's very confusing. Like, having just read, you know, the, the, the Grand Design book, the concept is so far from where it started. And Banner is the thing that's really, he's so different from, the, yeah, it's hard to, yeah. you know, the, I think the, movie, the, the movies actually did, the movies have done Banner and Hulk better than any of the comics. I don't like movies. asshole Banner. No, that's. I think that's the thing. It's hard to. I can deal with asshole Pym, and I can right. deal with other versions of it. But like, I think you have to have. Well, I like tragic banner. I mean, like, it's all matter of taste. But I just, I don't know. But we haven't had a good handle on who Banner is for for years because everybody comes in and they want to do their stamp on it, right. and you need something to ground you. And I think that we don't have any. Like, do whatever you want with the Hulk, but Banner has to be. The guy who you understand, but then mm-hmm. again, from a narrative standpoint, like it's always like there's the monster and the and the heart, and then but what if they're not? What if the monster isn't really the monster, and the other one is? I get it, but right. I don't have any ground under my feet. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I want to love this book, and I don't. I do too. Hey, those are the books we want to talk about. There's not a lot of books, but we talked about a lot of them. But if you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, every patron of the show gets to add a book to the rundown. They vote on it, and they picked this week Hulk Grand Design Monster Number 1 was the patron pick, which is also the pick of the week. So we'll do ratings and ratings on Hulk Grand Design Monster Number 1 from Jim Rugg. Ratings out of 5. I want to be be between 4.25 and 4.5. And this is a rating of what it is, not compared to all other comic books that are great. So I was thinking 4.25 when I was reading the copy here. So okay, perhaps 4.25. Yeah, that's fine. That works. Now, here's the complicated question for me. Are you sticking with it? Is it going to keep going? Yes. Yeah. So here's my problem. I'm listening. I have never read the Peter David run. <gasps> it's one of my great comic book holes that I would like to fill someday. Oh, I and see. I don't necessarily want to get spoiled. Well, how likely is it you think that you would actually read that? I would like to. I would really like to sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not sure. Because I really love these Grand Design books. But I just don't know if I want to be spoiled. Although I, you know, I know a lot of what happens in the books just from osmosis of being a comic sure. reader. Plus, when, you know, when it was coming out, one of my best friends was a Peter David Hulk fan. And so he would tell me about what was going on. So I, remember, I have some idea. I'm on the fence. I'm not sure. Only because I just don't want to be spoiled by it. I think, I think I can read it pretty safely. Yeah. I think that I don't. I a I won't remember the details, and I will also probably never actually read those issues if I'm being realistic. 
the good stuff is in the nuance and the details. So, and that's not what this book's about. So it's probably okay. I'm just, I haven't decided. I'll decide in the moment. I probably will read it, but I just, it's something I thought about, you know, at the time when I finished the issue. I think I will get more value out of reading the story this way that will add to the way that I enjoy comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I'm going to read it. It's a good, right. good question, though. That's so stick, we're sticking with it, probably, and yep. we enjoyed it. So there you go, patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can vote to add a book to the rundown. Okay, so if you are a patron, as we mentioned, but you give it the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live on the show. It's the patron powers segment of the show. Let's do it. Matt Faf. Faf. I work with a Faf, spelled the same way, P-F. AFF. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that aesthetically. I enjoy saying it. I like that there's a silent P. Mm-hmm. Silent P is my favorite silent letter. Matt Faff has the Gore-Tex touch. Like King Midas, <laughs> who turns everything to gold, everything that Matt touches uh-huh. develops a waterproof, breathable, impermeable membrane that keeps you dry Wow. also allows you to stay cool. But even things that don't necessarily shouldn't, shouldn't be Gore-Tex. It's, it's controllable. He's not necessarily like... We're going to say it's not King Midas in the sense like he can't touch anything and therefore ruin the world. He just can, he can Gore-Tex add, things. He can Gore-Tex things. Should he choose to do so. Should he choose to do so. And it's important to remember a lot of people confuse Gore-Tex with insulating properties of which it has none. It is really about moisture and wind uh-huh. transfer. You know, and, and there's higher expensive levels of Gore-Tex and cheaper ones. The cheaper ones are going to be heavier. They're going to be crinklier. They're not going to necessarily have as much breathability. But he's going to put the best possible thing. So, like, say that you have a pair of sneakers and, you know, you you don't want to wear them in the rain. Right. But, you know, you, you don't necessarily want to, to, to have to buy special shoes for it. He'll Gore-Tex those guys up for you. But does the appearance of the shoe change? Not necessarily. It doesn't, doesn't no. something look like Gore-Tex shoes? No. It's an interior lining. I see. Realistically, in practice, it feels a little different on the inside, but you get used to it. It's a very useful product. I'm sure it's contributing all the PFAS in our waters or something like that. I don't really know, but... <laughs> Everything's terrible. The Zoles. The Zoles. That's a circus family, right? The Zoles are a circus family, which is good. Their power could come in handy. Are we, wait, wait, is an indie band our patron? Is that what's <laughs> happening here? Unlike certain people who have been talked about in the show, when the Zoles get angry, they get smaller and weaker. Oh. Well, to be fair, I think that's literally what happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they shrink, they punch, and nothing. So if, if one of the Zoles were to come home and find another Zole is like three inches high, you're like, oh, man, what happened? And so then as they get calmed down, they start to return to their normal size and strength. It's funny because when you said one of the Zoles comes home and finds another Zole, and I was like, Inflagante Delecto? Like, and they would get so mad that they would get very, very tiny. They're anti-hulks. Well, I mean, I think as we have seen in popular culture, you really do want to maintain control of your anger right? and your outbursts. And in my own personal life, I have found that uh, that is a difficult thing to do. But when you do, you're a much happier person. Plus, when they're all to get angry at. just angry and tiny and squeaky-voiced, it's funny. I mean, again, watching a real person get very, very angry about something, especially something innocuous, makes them appear very, very, very tiny and silly. Right. So this actually happens to them. As a result, they probably try to say normal size a lot of the time, and they keep their cool and they're pleasant to be around. Right. Also, additionally, if you get really angry and then it makes you tiny and have a squeaky voice... 
if you're a good folk, you're going to recognize that's very funny. Yes. It's very funny when I get angry. Like, cause, so that will help diffuse the anger also. Because you'd be like, I can't believe I got cut off again in traffic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yep. So there you go. This is Olds and Matt. Thanks for being patrons. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. And that's one way you can help support the show. Patreon.com slash iFanboy is the main way, but also iFanboy.threadless.com is our t-shirt store. iFanboy.com slash support is our digital tip jar. iFanboy.com slash Amazon is where you can find links to buy books and other things. Those are all the ways to help support the show. Keep it going. Pay the bills. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. There you go. Shall we do some email? We have time. You should do at least one, depending on how long we the, babble off. I'm do the middle for. one. Middle, middle one. one to start, short one. Justin asks, when you were running the website, what comic stories or runs of that period got the most attentions and clicks from your site's visitors? I want to adapt this a little because he's asking about issues and stories and things like that, which is fair. But I think the types of content they got attention were interesting and surprising. I think this is a great question, first of all. But also, yes. it's great that you picked it because it's now been... Almost 10 years since we stopped doing the website full-time. Do you realize that? It's been nine years. In fact, it makes me wonder, and I thought you were going to explain to people who are listening who have started in the last 10 years. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So for 13 years, iFanboy was not just a podcast or a suite of podcasts. It was a whole ecosystem. It started as a website because there were no podcasts when we started in 2000. And for 13 years, we ran iFanboy.com as a daily website of content. At one point, we had like, 15 writers you know we had tons of daily content the pickle week used to be a written review first and then it was a podcast and it was both and so people who've come along in the last nine years may not realize that and we, we you know we plug at the end of the show every episode but people probably don't go but like it first of all it was our josh and i's full-time job for five years, years four years yeah. to run the website and the podcast and everything eight to 13 yeah so five life. years we did i family full-time and it was a whole thing seven podcasts mm-hmm. a week Nine or ten articles a day. It was a whole thing. So if you came around in the last nine years, you're in the podcast era, but there was a whole other era where we ate, slept, and breathed comic book stuff because we were writing about everything. So when we were doing that, you take what you were going to say, and I'll take what I was going to say. So why don't you answer what you think you were going to say? What I thought was always very surprising, sometimes not. Um, we, I don't know that we had virality viral things like in the same sense that we do now where something goes but because it wasn't really a mechanism for it really no well i mean like if if twitter started in 2007 it's kind of it just wasn't working that way quite yet we were we were and also we were very focused on we weren't trying to be uh clickbait we're trying to make it easy enough for people to find us but not like just get somebody to click on it and move along we were really trying to put thoughtful heart and, and thoughtfulness into it and you know the same thing that we, the way that we try to talk about comics. anyway i think the most which isn't to say we didn't try to get popular stuff anyway go ahead no no but we tried to do it in our way we didn't just do it like that wasn't the only goal we wanted it to be good mm-hmm. whatever it was i think the most popular story that we ever did like the most was the, about the cops yes like two dc cops i'm actually googling it right now this was fairly late in the run of the website it was scott snyder yeah. uncovers bizarre background character mystery in which Scott Snyder posted on Twitter that he had realized that the same two cops were the background of all these different comics, like the same two drawn cops. One had like a soul patch and what, like they were the same two guys. And, and like across comics and, and kids books and just everything. DC stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
DC Kids books and regular comics and other stuff. So that was our most popular article by far. Like that one, that one blew up virally. Uh-huh. And it was just us compiling all of Scott's stuff together and then writing about ourselves. But and I think it blew up virally, not in America though. Oh. If I recall correctly, it was like it blew up in Asia. No shit. But it was like by far our biggest thing in terms of And after views. that, I would say that pretty much anything that had to do with movies or TV, and that was during the more nascent stage, like that was always the most popular stuff. It also generated the most activity and comments and things like that. Yeah, it's a um, bummer. Anytime we covered anything to do with indie comics, which we love to do, it was basically for ourselves. I mean, the amount of people sure. who, who clicked on those indie comics articles would fit in a bus. You know, all day, still. I'm, we're still deluged all day, every day, many times, by people with indie projects who are like, can you help cover me? And, and, and back then, we were like, well, first of all, we didn't have time. Mm-hmm. And second of all, if we did, no one would have looked. Like, it's, I, th- that was really like, if you've ever written to us about your indie project, we didn't do anything for you, not because we're awful, but literally, it would have been a waste of everybody's time. They would not have looked. They don't, uh, written interviews of any kind, even with huge names, got Didn't nothing. do anything. Yeah. Nothing ever, which was really surprising to me because that was yeah. like the bread and butter I thought of the industry was those things. And so sometimes I'd ask for it to do a talk split and they'd be like, well, can we just do a written one? I was like, there's no point. There's yeah. no point. We're all just going to waste our time. It wouldn't be worth the time it would take for me to transcribe it. Yeah. You know, like Jeff said, like if we posted an article that was like, is Chris Evans playing Captain America? That would dwarf every other article about actual comics on the website and you know it's just that's just the way yeah. tom caters who was a columnist and an occasional podcast guest would joke that you know movie stills movie stills yeah it was if you posted a movie still tons of tra- traffic if you posted you know something about some all-time great indie comics creator you know hard crickets it's just that's yeah. just that's just how it went so but if you're talking about comics and runs from that period, you know, that sort of so, golden age of Secret Invasion and Final Crisis was sort of the, you know, the in terms of comic book interest and traffic, that was always the high point. Major mm-hmm. events before they, they burned themselves out. I think that's probably the last gasp of major events, those two. Yeah. Uh, whenever those books came out, it was, those were really popular. And we had the pull list. Those always get the most pulls and the most reviews and... And then people like commenting and talking under the. I mean, the, like, there's no commenting anymore, really, in the in the way that there used to be. Where like discussions. I mean, that's always what we we wanted. Was we wanted cool discussions and people, you know. And then the best of those people, we ended up. And I mean, the best of the most interesting and the well spoken of the folks. You know, we we hired a lot of them to write for us. That's where that came from, and that was always the stuff that we enjoyed the most. But you know, it was, that was the golden age of the movies and the TVs. Basically, 2008 is when Iron Man came out, and it's when we sort of started doing that stuff. And that's what people were ravenous about. And I always think about that. A, more people are just going to watch that than are ever going to read a comic book. But B, I think it still exists. There was some sort of search for legitimacy that we have and should let go for the material, but not necessarily the comics. You know, where people wanted, they just, like, if they make this thing that they like into something that everybody gets to see and like, then that justifies and validates what they thought about it I, I don't know i've tried to think about it for a long time because i'm interested in it but i'm interested in the comics more and i'm not obviously that's not a mainstream thought like i kind of don't care and now there's been so many movies and shows that it's just like it's not even special anymore but yeah it's still it's the final crisis and secret invasion both came out 2008 2009 so that would be those two years were the first two years we were doing it full time 
And I would think in terms of pure interest, those were hugely popular. So was Grant Morrison's Batman run. Yeah. For good and for bad, people like to go, go on there and disparage it as much as enjoy it. So like the, the, that was like the end of Bendis' New Avengers. Like, that was a great time of comics, and that was a lot of comics that people were interested in back then. But I would say if I think back on you know, the most popular in terms of people discussing and, and debating and arguing about it would be Final Crisis and Secret Invasion coming out at the same time. That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Good question, Justin. It was a good question. It's interesting to go back and think about it and that it's been that long. Yeah. And also, I think economics and strategies of the web are so different now. I mean, I can't even... Like, I would never... I still wouldn't, but like... The thing where you write something in the headline that tells you nothing about it, you know, but it claims to have an answer inside, you know, that's what you would have to do now. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't. We did almost everything backwards and wrong. And our whole thing was we wanted to make thoughtful, interesting content. And that is just not what the internet mall requires. It requires clickbait headlines and hot takes. Yep. That was just not what we did. And that's why we have day jobs. (laughs) That's why we're back working (laughs) their minds. Although we had people who were really good at, like, Jimsky still, I think, is one of the best pure columnists I've ever seen. And oh, she just happened to be doing it for comics. And I would not call him a hot take writer, but he was a columnist in that he had a point of view. And it inspired lots of passionate response. I think, yeah. that's But in a, I don't but think a very, got, very, very thoughtful and interesting and smart way. Not I don't think he got the most page views, although I don't think it was bad. But he did get the most engagement with yes. the people talking. Like, he'd have, the highest engagement you know, for sure. 100, you know, he'd have 100 comments. When I did those... Um, What's wrong with you, columns, which were <laughs> combative? Um, you know, like I'd get a shit ton of comments, yeah. but I don't like conflict. And mm-hmm. so I got very stressed out about doing it. I didn't think I was wrong and I wasn't making things up, but I was just like, I'm not doing any good putting this out there. And it's stressing me out that I have Josh's to. Josh's like, airing of grievances that you did in the final year of a handboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote one that I never put up. Yeah. You were like, you shouldn't publish that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It wasn't. No, it, I know, I know. it wasn't good. <laughs> um, you know what it reminded me of? This is a, this is an aside. So this is a candy shop in town, and it was cool. You know, you go in there, and it was kind of expensive, and you know they had like uh, fancy fudge and all sorts of stuff, and it was really good. And it closed because they didn't sell enough. And there was this note that the owner left in the door about how it was everybody's in the town's fault. <laughs> they didn't buy enough candy from them. And I was like, how much fucking candy do you expect people to buy? Like, it was like, you're not supporting local business. I was like, we're not ordering candy from Amazon. <laughs> Just, I can't buy this much candy. Like, I went in there like once a week. I bought some stuff. but We have an obesity crisis. I'm not going to get a bit of it. Yeah, and then so what they did was in the last like six months, they decided to put in an ice cream stand. Uh-huh. And it should be noted that my town is replete with like there is well, so many ice cream stands. New England's all about ice cream. Right. And 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 like also, so their ice cream was really expensive. It was like seven, eight bucks a cone. And it, there's nowhere to sit. It's in a like a strip mall with a parking lot. You know? uh-huh. and, and like they blamed. And it was it was the angriest thing. And I was like, and also that place was great. But it's just that, anyways, that's what that column would have been like. I don't even remember, oh, I don't remember what it was. The title was What's Wrong With You, colon, you. <laughs> you were in a dark spot. <laughs> Actually, it literally was. <laughs> uh, it's still in the oh, system, my. you know. I can hit publish on it at any moment. Can you just find it and delete it and don't yeah. tell me what's in it? I'm fine with that. Let's end it. Let's be done. All right.
thanks for writing in. We had other emails, in this, but honestly, every time we have a short week, we're like, we're gonna get so many emails in, and then we just blabber on like gibbering idiots. Contact at ifanboy.com is where Justin wrote in, and as well as other people. Thanks for this writing in the emails. If you want to write in for the Media Splode Show, please put it in the subject line. Thank you very much. Since mid February, we've had a show every week come out, extra an show. extra show. So we had in the last. Uh, uh, month or so, we had the book explode on the New Teen Titans, the Judas Contract. We had the Batman review, Catwoman Hunted review, our media explode pre Oscar show. And boy, did we not see what was coming! Uh, and we had a talk explode that just came out this past week, right behind the show. Josh interviewed Daniel Warren Johnson, one of our favorite new people in comics. Great dude, I just great dude. That's what I came out of it, and I it's like I didn't know a thing about him, and I hate that. I hate because they have no context. You don't know what thing to be like. You don't know. Apparently, he's quite available on the web, so you could you could have seen. But like right away, he's just super cool, talented, you know, humble, thoughtful dude. Really enjoyed it with a studio uh, quality uh, microphone. You should listen to it. Oh, uh, he had the same one you do. It's the Sure SM7, I think. Every creator should get one. Because at one point, I was like, "You sound amazing." <laughs> he was like, "Oh yeah, I have all this," and I was like. Oh God bless you! Usually, I just like, do you have headphones? That's the that's my product. Like, I don't ask anything about it. I was just like, please, just use headphones. <laughs> you can find all those shows. That was Talksplode number one hundred and one. But you can find all the rest of them at ifanboy.com. You can search Jimsky's name and look at some of those. You can search What's Wrong with You, and you can see that I stand by most. Read of Read the comment by. section of those What's Wrong with You articles. It just was it's a really fucking easy. nightmare. On all sides. Really? No one comes off well in any of that. You know what? No, I do. <laughs> pirated comics were the other thing. Like, if you talked about pirated comics, the justifications oh, yeah. free-flowing every time. It's, it's okay yeah. to steal this stuff. And we still never justified it. And, you know, like, like many of the things you say are true. Doesn't matter, though. That stuff's all there. Look at comics piracy or whatever. Like, it's kind of, it's probably a rabbit hole. And then maybe you will find something that we've said that doesn't hold up. In which case, I want to know. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by following us on Twitter, which is at iFanboy or at iFanboyComics on Instagram. You can follow us individually. We are C.S. Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan, both on Instagram. You can subscribe to YouTube page, youtube.com slash iFanboy. You can keep up to date with old video shows show re-uploads all the full-length shows are there and we're just down to the minis which were our short daily shows this past week hawkman the character continuity killed that is a connor one if i've ever seen Mm -hmm. one not wrong not wrong yep pick of the week fear agent number 23 i'm gonna assume that's me yep that's you but it could have been yeah could have been any of us but that was you awesome yeah that was a great series yeah yeah that one was me i think i'm not sure but I believe the review that I wrote for Fear Agent 23 was printed its entirety in Fear Agent number 27. Really? Which is a little self-serving, but yeah, that would make sense. Did we I remember authorize I had that? a whole pick of the week review. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you immediately go, was that okay? <laughs> I was I mean, like, I, what this? I thought of, is that okay? Uh, probably. Yeah, they probably. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's not like we, we didn't know the guy. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Oh, this long history of stuff that like has no currency or relevance anymore that that we cling to. <laughs> hey, if you like the show, consider writing a review or start leaving a rating, a star rating on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. For any podcast you listen to, it's a great way to help the show and say thanks. We do appreciate that. Even better, that's word of mouth. Is people ask about what you're listening to. What are you what are, what are you into these days? And we always appreciate when everyone says I fanboy. So thank you very much. And that's it for this week's show. Until next week, I am Connor. That would make me Josh, and that would make you wonderful people for listening. Take care out there, and good luck. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller.
Thank you.